0: And the Oscar goes to by a nose Nicole Kidman Good morning, Dan.
1: Good morning, thank you for having me
0: Oh, thank you for being here. actually, I guess now I just realized it's probably afternoon for you, but it is very much <laughs> morning for me <laughs> That's exactly right yeah um yeah thanks for thanks for being here thanks for doing this for um a I guess a very special film. This kind of is like Nicole's like very special episode film. Um, it's incredible that I had
1: never, ever heard of it. And she's in a lot of it. And she gets like the very special episode emoting to do because Michael Keaton is so inert. We'll talk about it, but she yeah. <laughs> gets, she gets all the heavy lifting. Uh,
0: Yeah. It's one that like, I will just say that like once in the last year I was at a video store and like I saw that this movie was available on DVD there for like $2. And I was like, I know eventually I'll have to do this. And I just don't know if it's streaming anywhere. So I should probably just buy this. So I've been sitting on this DVD (laughs) copy of this movie for like, I would say more than six months. Um, So I finally got to put it to use. Uh,
1: That's incredible. I rented it. It's available to rent on Amazon. So I spent my $4. Um, From the title, when you had mentioned this movie, knowing nothing about it, I was like, okay, this title is so generic that it must be some really arty thing. Like, it must be, you know, like, some Jane Campion style, like, very artistic, idiosyncratic. This is, the title is generic, because, man, this is, like,
0: generic slice of, like, 90s movie heaven. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before... We jump in, since we're clearly so eager to do that. Would you yes. mind introducing yourself?
1: Yeah, not to get ahead of ourselves. Uh I'm Dan DiDario. I am the chief TV critic of Variety, the Hollywood trade publication. I live in New York. I am a Nicole Kidman super fan, uh, like, like everyone I'm sure you have on the podcast. Um And yeah, there aren't a ton of intersections between TV and Nicole, or there hadn't been until Big Little Lies. And now it feels like she's fair game for me to discuss just like all your film fans
0: yeah she's really she's really burst open i would say like big little Lies, aquaman she's really opening herself to like new verticals know,
1: she really is finding like and converting from dc comics fans to tv fans there's no place she
0: can't colonize yeah she needs to do like a i guess she could do like an aquaman like video game voice and then she would like truly be unstoppable or she if she does like a one of those like prestige podcasts
1: oh you mean like an appearance on
0: like a fictionalized podcast yeah you know there's like that one that katherine keener did yes yes homecoming yes yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. also by prestige podcast i mean the kid manifesto
1: (laughs) (laughs) right she needs to do an episode (laughs) of this it can be her wtf like interview where it carries you through her whole career yeah that's this that's Uh, the series
0: finale Yes, when we launch, like, a time capsule into space, it'll be, like, the episode where Maren interviewed Obama, and then, like, the episode where I finally interviewed Nicole. I think
1: she would do it. She could do it. Like, you don't have a studio she needs to go into. She could do it from home in Nashville.
0: That's true. I I don't think she'll do it at this point, but we can get into that. Yeah. Um, do you... Let's let's talk about you
1: let's yeah happy to happy to discuss me
0: instead of my life to be honest <laughs> yeah All, although one thing i will say about the title is um you and i are both pronouncing it uh or maybe we're differing but i was kept saying my life like emphasis on life but every time michael keaton says the phrase he really hits the my like he needs you to know that it is his life it's his
1: life. Yeah, no, you're completely right. I've been seeing it the same way you are, which to me is like the, the very logical way, way that scans. Yeah. Uh yeah, Keaton makes some choices that we can talk about. But first let's talk
0: about my life. Yeah. Um <laughs> tell me about you know, favorite Nicole performances. I guess clearly it wasn't this movie until no. maybe maybe you are convert, but
1: um no, I mean she's fine in this movie. The, the, she is not the problem if there is a problem. Um favorite Nicole so I became aware of Kidman before I ever saw any of her movies, I think, during the divorce from Tom, because I was very into media as a kid and watching news and reading magazines. And she was obviously, that was her breakout year. And I was very fixated on just kind of like her whole gestalt as like this newly liberated woman. I found it very thrilling when she told Letterman that she could wear heels now. I hadn't seen any of her movies. I eventually rented Moulin Rouge when it first came out on VHS and was extremely into it. And although I don't think that movie has a movie as a movie, it doesn't really excite me anymore. I tried to rewatch it a few years ago and was not really that into it. I think that is among her very best performances. She's to me fabulous in that Um, other performances of hers I really like are one's where she's more tied into the overall quality of the movie. Like, I don't know that many people would say that her work in Dogville is among her very best, but I love Dogville. I love that she did it. And for that reason, movies like that, where it's kind of the the Nicole thing of choosing a really interesting director to work with, those are the ones I have the most affinity for. I weirdly have a huge affinity for Margot at the Wedding because I think it's really cool that she gave herself over to Noah Baumbach and made a movie that is darker and more insane than the squid and the whale. Um, so yeah, my pantheon of her would be Dogville, Margot, Eyes Wide Shut, Rabbit Hole, and probably Moulin Rouge as a sentimental favorite.
0: That's a good list. Um, that's a really good list, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just talking about movies. Obviously, I think she stole Big Little Lies and was the story of Big Little Lies. It was incredible. I have not seen her other big TV performance, Hemingway and Gellhorn, um, which I guess I should, but
0: I feel like I'm okay without. She's she's definitely the best thing in it. It is very long. I'll say that much. Um. I guess technically there's also Top of the Lake season 2 which I declined to talk about on this podcast. Um
1: yeah, I think mainly it's cuz right I just out. don't have time. It's funny, I we, uh, we both I think are super Elizabeth Moss fans and mm-hmm, correct and confirmed and obviously <laughs> and I have a big admiration for Jane Campion and like a lot of her work very very much and I just didn't have the time or the inclination. It's just uh, you know who, no i mean it? i watched
0: season one i think about holly hunter like sure. in that shipping container
1: <laughs> right right completely i watched season one as well and, and really really enjoyed it for what it was and was like i feel like i've had a a full experience like i feel like we've come to the end of the story here
0: um here's a question for you uh specifically before we get into it just since you brought up elizabeth moss which is do you think that we'll ever get something close to a her smell moment for Nicole or have we already gotten it? And if so, what is it? Uh
1: You mean in terms of the music specifically or in terms of just mm. the,
0: just like balls to the wall. uh, Like no holds bar capital A acting.
1: That's a really interesting question. Cause I actually think one of the things that I really like about Nicole is that, her choices are very oftentimes very small in keeping with, I think the fact that she, she has talked a lot about that. She's actually a painfully shy person. And so I think when she has scenes in movies where she's really acting out, like the scene where she gets stoned and eyes wide shut, it's such a powerful contrast. I don't think we've ever had a movie where from beginning to end, she's doing the her smell thing, the, the Gina Rowlands thing. I'd really like it if we got one. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to even imagine what the context would be because I feel like a role that kind of intense and outsized as Mosses would tend to be written for a younger performer. Uh-huh. There aren't a lot of like characters in their 50s that Hollywood is imaginative imaginative enough to come up with who would do all that i think the right director could do that for her incidentally i'd love to see nicole in an alex ross perry
0: movie that would be great
1: i think they would vibe i don't think he would give her that kind of character as i say but i think they would vibe
0: uh yeah that's a great call um i sat really close to him at tiff or something and i missed my shot to you know put that bird in his ear
1: yeah, I mean, it's funny because he, I think, more than most directors, and maybe this sounds really obvious, uh, he is, like, a real cineast. Like, he loves seeing movies, and I'm sure he is intimately aware with the contours of her career. Like, because just because yeah. I think he sees everything.
0: It's so dumb for me to be like, I should recommend this, this <laughs> Have you talented, heard of her? unknown actress. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard-
1: She's undersung. I mean... she's from this Um, movie called my life yeah have you seen
0: my life I bet he has
1: absolutely I mean he's like he used to work at Kim's Video which is this like iconic now shuttered video store in New York where the employees like watch
0: everything so I'm sure he has um well Alex if you're listening and statistically you might be (laughs) uh should we talk about My life, all caps, as opposed to your life?
1: Yeah, we can talk about Michael Keaton's life now.
0: (laughs) So I should just put this out up front, which is to say that I'm uh, not really a Michael Keaton fan. I would actually go so far as to say that I am full stop not a Michael Keaton fan.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I was a little mystified by... When he starred in the two consecutive best pictures, uh, Birdman and Spotlight, I was just like, him? Like, why why him? I find he doesn't have a very, he's just nothing about him appeals to me.
0: Mm-hmm. I do love Spotlight. I'm a Spotlight, ap- I guess not even an apologist. Nobody needs me to apologize, but. Um, I loved Spotlight at the time. I haven't thought about it a lot since I watched it. <laughs> I just I remember- it for the last, like, Fortnite, so oh nice back on the train baby
1: at the time i was very excited that it won best picture even despite him because i do think that everyone else in that movie makes up for not even his shortfalls i just look at it it, it, it's a bit of a visceral thing something about his line readings is often very passive aggressive to me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he doesn't ever seem like he wants to be there if that makes sense
0: No, it makes perfect sense. I think, I will also go on the record and say that I think Birdman is trash. And I would even say that I think Inuritu is trash as a whole canon.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with that
0: statement. Cool. Um, Can jury president this year. Yeah, (laughs) that should be... Can't wait to see what he picks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, he doesn't do it for me. And I, he's... It's just weird. I think, like, most of this movie is him just doing, like... And I guess this is the script, obviously, but just him doing, like, hacky stand-up jokes, like, to his unborn son.
1: Yeah. This is a very, like... This movie has a very strong kind of, like, sitcom dad energy. Like, (laughs) despite (laughs) how tragic it is, he's just... He feels really corny, and it makes it kind of hard to connect with him over and above the fact that a lot of the choices the character has made in his life make him a real shithead. And the movie relies on you feeling extreme empathy with him. That was hard for me to gin up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just realized, would you mind kind of just like loosely explaining the thesis of this movie since I'm going to assume that no one listening has seen it?
1: Yeah, basically, Michael Keaton is... Uh, was born the son of Ukrainian immigrants was always felt like he deserved really great things, even though his family was of limited means. He grew up, moved from Detroit, I believe, to Los Angeles, became oh God, um I just watched this movie. He's in PR, right? He's yeah. sports he's a PR for he's a publicist for athletes, married to Nicole Kidman. Ah, uh, she is she she gets pregnant over the course of the movie. Um he gets sick, uh, tries to make peace with his family in a very different way and fails because he's a basically because he's a jerk to them. A big point of contention is that he legally changed his name from Ivanovich to Jones. Uh, he continues to get sicker and sicker. With metastatic cancer, he is getting traditional treatment as well as treatment by a faith healer played by, or, like, a Chinese medicine healer played by Dr. Hang S. Ngor,
0: Who, uh, I think, gets, like, does he get and billing if the in the yes. channel credits? Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is still, like, sadly, one of his last roles, I believe, because he was murdered. It's, like, seven years after his Oscar win, which I think was a really big deal. Like, people really were excited about that win. Uh, And so basically he continues to get sicker and sicker enters home hospice care with like an end of life nurse played by a very young queen Latifah. And his family comes back. They, he, having him be so humbled allows them and him to kind of see eye to eye and reconnect. And he finally gets what he really wanted when he was a child, which his family couldn't provide for him, which is a circus in the backyard. They like, (laughs) <laughs> bringing in clowns and, like, rides and stuff, which is, like, the one, his, like, big, like, I wish. The thing driving him as a character is that he didn't get to have a circus at home when he was a kid. um And so he gets that, and he dies happy, and the movie ends with um Nicole Kidman and him, uh, Nicole Kidman and their son watching a video. Oh, God. I forgot to mention he's been making, this is not really a thesis so much as, like, uh, you know, a novel. He has been making home videos throughout the entire movie for his son to watch to know who he is. And so the movie ends with Nicole holding the son as on TV, dad is reading green eggs and ham and eerily kind of talking as though he's alive about it. He's like, Oh wow. You know, green eggs and ham. That's what we love to go do eat at the restaurant. Right. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe, you know, this could have been framed a different way, but that's the end of the movie. And he's. No longer with us but here in spirit and on video
0: yeah that's our How's show bad? thank you yeah. so much yeah
1: yeah <laughs> all right thanks for having uh, me bye
0: um one thing i will say really quickly that was great uh is i was cruising through imdb trivia as i am wont to do mm-hmm. and uh the first piece of trivia is the poem that michael keaton mm-hmm. reads at the end is dr seuss's green eggs and ham
1: <laughs> that ode that beautiful poem mm-hmm. i love poetry
0: he's also reading it from the book which he like shows us the cover so good trivia there yeah
1: yeah it's it's also like i would not eat them on a train they're it's it's a well-known it's not exactly trivial
0: right but it is a beautiful piece of poetry um absolutely it does rhyme it, it it does rhyme and it's also clouded my entire life as someone who's named sam so oh of course of course um i guess where do we start here's one thing i'll say up front i find bradley whitford with that specific mustache to be very attractive
1: oh interesting bradley whitford incidentally is his brother um yes who chose to stay with the family
0: um yes and take over the not junk but scrap metal business
1: oh yeah that's the thing where he very defensively is like it's called scrap metal and it's like that doesn't I would have I would have expected that tone if you were like it's called reclamation of precious metals or something. Yeah. It's like scrap metal isn't doesn't have a better connotation.
0: Yeah, it's like the sanitation department. It's like only marginally. Right. Um yeah, but he's here and he uh I'm going to say it, he's hot in this movie. I'll let you have that one. <laughs> More for you. <laughs> i really tried to find a photo of him from this but like first of all searching my life is really hard and then like searching any combination of words with my life is also very hard
1: it's funny i feel like at the time this must have been something of a big deal it did not do amazing at the box office but this is like the directorial debut of the writer of ghost which was a (laughs) massive hit Oscar-winning movie. He won an Oscar for the screenplay, Bruce Joel Rubin. And he writes and directs this movie, and it's just kind of like, flatline.
0: Yeah, and another, to go back into the IMDb vault, uh, Nicole Kidman famously auditioned for Ghost, but was not enough of a name at this point. And he was like, I'll find a place for you in this next film. Right. Here we are.
1: I'm actually kind of glad she did. I love the movie Ghost. I actually think... It's a good performance by Demi Moore, and I think it kind of suits the fun, schlocky energy of the movie that it's her. Like, oh, I, I, agree. I think she's perfect in it, to be honest.
0: I think that the the trajectory of Nicole's career, had she done Ghost, shifts in a direction that I don't like as much. So I 100% agree.
1: Yeah, because it makes her, if, if we posit that the movie is super successful no matter what then it makes her into a superstar in 1990. And I think she's locked and loaded for a, like she doesn't do To Die For, for instance. I don't Right, know.
0: which is actually yeah. one of the first notes that I have um, because the like first shot of Michael Keaton setting up his video camera looks very, very similar to the shot where Nicole turns off the video camera at the end. of Like when you figure out the- mechanics of how we're getting those like straight to camera shots yeah 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 it's like in a similarly lit living room uh there's like a, a big white window behind them so you can't really tell what she's sitting in front of um i liked that little cinematic parallel
1: yeah absolutely do you think gus van sant was <laughs> yeah like i'm sure he's it's
0: huge <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's a huge my life fan yeah i love the idea of paying homage to a film that's like within five years of the release of your film <laughs> And, and like, not successful and widely ignored, yeah. Yeah. It's my little homage. Uh, love when Michael Keaton says that he has a disease called cancer, which I guess he's talking to a child, but I still was like, okay, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Michael Keaton, in general, the tone he takes with his unborn child, there's no other way to describe it than condescending, even though, like... <laughs> Like, he is talking to a child. I think it's just the energy that he brings, as I say, is so kind of like beleaguered and annoyed that, like, he's he just is not giving parental warmth so much.
0: No, and he does teach, like, I mean, I don't know if we can, he teaches like 10 to 20 topics over the course of, uh, this film and like none are delivered with even like an ounce of anything other than uh like open mic enthusiasm yes yes absolutely um
1: i feel like a lot of things i'm just looking at the notes i took notes for like the first 30 minutes of this movie and then kind of like
0: Succumb to catatonia. That is a beautiful kid (laughs) manifesto technique, by the way. Yeah,
1: yeah, I feel it has. Have other people done that? I feel a little guilty, but I um, mean, there
0: have been multiple movies where, in my notes, I've written, "This is where my pizza came," or like, "This is where I had to pause it," and then I just never come back to the notes.
1: Yeah, so I'm just looking, and I'm like, everything is this kind of like we barely tried. When you first see his office at work, there's a photo of Nicole that like is just a headshot. Mm, mm -hmm. which is like a real
0: a real bobby finger thing which is like all he wants to do is be in charge of photoshops for movies
1: yeah absolutely well yes bobby the ultimate example that bobby spotted was um in the like the newspaper ads for silver linings playbook when it was all people in character from the movie and then a photo of julia styles from a red carpet um (laughs) yeah it's just like nothing in this movie feels everything is very first drafty Uh the the hang eston gore stuff is um not integrated into the rest of the movie at all and does not pay off at all uh nicole's character none of her reactions seem like the ones you would be having if your husband were permanently ill
0: yeah she's definitely doing good acting like in a vacuum but then you have to pair them with what's happening that's, that's the thing is, like, this movie really starts, like, from the jump, before we re- really even fully understand that he's sick, the way that they're talking to each other and the, like, glib tone that he has about it is, like, very alienating.
1: Yeah, and and I would I would apply that critique to her as well. Most of the time, she just is kind of like, well, look, like, I'm a little stressed out. I've got to, like, make dinner or whatever. And it's like, like, there's a scene where she's making a smoothie and she, like, very, like like sighs and rolls her eyes and presses blend. And then I think it explodes or something. Mm-hmm.
0: But like, That's the second time she does it.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's just kind of like, I don't know. I don't think it needs to be rabbit hole level active grieving, but it sort of seems like for almost all of the movie, she has in no way come to terms with it. And it's just kind of like, well, look, like, what are you going to do there? There's one scene when they go to like a Cuban restaurant and I wrote down, she says, damn it, Paul, please love us. Um, (laughs) uh, And it's just because she's referring to herself and the baby. It's just that one made me laugh. The rest of it.
0: It is. It's just very, it's all very flippant. Even like very early on, uh, like Michael Keaton's mother-in-law, Nicole's mother shows up. And like the mother-in-law is like not in the least concerned that like, her son-in-law is going to die and like leave her grandchild fatherless and like they're just joking about green smoothies and how mother-in-laws are bitches. Right. And it's moving on an incredibly quick timeline too. Like
1: this from beginning to end, I guess maybe like it, it moves, it's it's less than a year. I think this entire- I was going to
0: say, it can't be anything longer than a year because she's pregnant at the beginning.
1: Yeah, she is. She starts pregnant she is pregnant at the beginning, and so that's nine nine months maximum. And then, the baby's not that old at the end when they're reading Green Eggs and Ham. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's my life. It's. <laughs>
0: I think, I would like to talk about her hair in this film. I know we yeah. normally save this, but, um, I don't want to ruin your future wig score, but that is obviously her real hair it, it is it's
1: i mean it's the classic when you think of nicole kidman
0: like peak era fa- that that's the iconic hair and i was shocked too because in the first like i don't know if this is if they bounce back and forth but she's definitely has like a flat ironed look at the beginning like she is mm-hmm. meant to commune wealth and then like maybe it gets like curly and unkempt like the closer they get into like Michael Keaton's life consuming all of theirs but like I don't know of another movie where we get such versatility and so I was fully like I was gagging for this movie for that one regard.
1: Yeah, completely at the beginning it is long straight like that like yeah, like as you say flat iron and like really kind of s- sleek. And then it's the then it's like long and straight with like kind of curls at the end kind of like coming undone and at the end it's like a loose obviously looks like she paid someone $500 to Sally Hershberger to do. She looks great, but mm-hmm. like very kind of like wild. And I think, yeah, maybe it's like, oh, her life's just spinning out of control. She has no time, which is funny because she looks amazing. Um, She's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, she looks it reminds, in a movie. Yeah, It reminds me of cold mountain where um, like, we're supposed to see that the end at the end of the character, at the end of the movie, the character has, like, lost weight and is, like, paler, and she just looks, like, better than she has for the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, th- that's the thing is, if I would, I like Cold Mountain a lot. I don't think she's the best part of it.
0: Uh, I agree.
1: I think she's pretty miscast because I do think you need someone where the transition to her basically becoming more and more like the Renee Zellweger character 10 track and I think they like didn't even try with her they were just like oh she's she's working the land and
0: and she's tough now and she looked like as ethereal as ever mm-hmm. yeah she when, when they finally like reunite in the snow she's like supposed to be like on the verge of frostbite but she just looks dewy and youthful I think
1: that's the thing I would draw a connection between those two movies because I think post I don't know if it was post Oscar, because that would have been a really quick turnaround, certainly post Moulin Rouge, she was so in demand and just kind of would be like plugged into projects whether or not they made sense for her. Uh, And I think this is an example of she's a rising actress and she just kind of was plugged into this movie as like, oh, Michael Keaton in that hot young thing, Nicole, even though they don't really have chemistry at all. They don't look like people who ever would have met, let alone be a couple. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, sh- that it was more interesting to have Tom Cruise's wife, the actress from Days of Thunder in this movie than, than was any thought put into, okay, but how will that work?
0: Oh, 100%. And I think even like this is 1993. So this is the same year as... Uh as malice which i think comes out right before this where she's like alec baldwin's wife oh yeah even that works infinitely but a because she has more to do she ends up spoiler alert being the villain kind of in certain parts of it um but they like also have chemistry in a way that like the glibness of this movie doesn't really afford
1: yeah i feel like a lot of what she's doing is reacting and not the way when you hear the log line of this movie you expect the reactions to be like you expect her to as we've said have this very outsized emotional reaction to the fact that her husband is imminently dying and instead she's just kind of like either bemused or kind of like gee i wish you had a better relationship with your family like what are we going to do she's Uh, also
0: kind of like doing her whisper acting uh which doesn't help either
1: she i want to talk a little bit about the accent because it's I the closest thing it is to me. There are many examples, but it brought to mind Big Little Lies, where she's not really Australian, but she's also not really trying to be American,
0: uh-huh.
1: and it's just kind of like this other this third thing that is just kind of like Nicole East, like because it's n- not part of the story that she's from anywhere other than the U.S., but she sounds a little different and she's very she's compensating i think for the fact that she's not trying to do anything vocally by as you say being really breathy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and not breathy with emotion just kind of she's a woman who speaks softly
0: yeah and her mother like in this movie uh who is also in mask i will say oh yeah uh, is is like definitely like capital a american
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's part of the story that she's American. Like it's, it's just, (laughs) and I don't know that it's not even that I think she's doing anything that she's like, no one course corrected her just because I think it was like, good
0: enough. Like everything about this movie is just kind of like, all right, like, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one's walking into the like theater to see this movie and then just walking out and being like well i just couldn't buy that she yeah is from america
1: yeah it, it it's just kind of like i feel like a million little things about this movie are just kind of like eh. do you think she remembered queen latifah like because when she wins her oscar queen latifah is nominated that same year do you think it was like oh my god, My Life Reunion? Or do you
0: think she was just kind of like over it at that point of shooting? I lean closer to My Life Reunion. I don't think that either person was particularly excited, but I think that she would remember and recognize her and be excited for the growth. Because her Queen Latifah playing Teresa, the (laughs) live-in auxiliary, is like not the most exciting role, but I would say that she's probably excited for her trajectory.
1: It's kind of a sweet role... It kind of, it, it, she underplays everything pretty nicely. There's a moment where, like, Michael Keaton, like, doesn't want to take part in, like, the basically physical therapy she's putting him through. Uh-huh. And, and she's like, well, no one said, um, no one said Olympic training was going to be easy. And it's, like, this kind of, like, sweet little corny line that Mm -hmm. she doesn't like
0: put a bow on i actually think she might be my favorite performance in the movie she's good she's really good there's the scene also where he's it might be the same like extended scene but where he's climbing the stairs and she like realizes maybe she's been like a little too hard on him and she's like no it's cool like we'll just like sleep in the den and that's that well
1: that's also the moment that it becomes clear
0: like that, Where it becomes a melodrama.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, A, that, like, that he not only is going to die in theory, but that, like, it's happening. That's, that's, because that's when, um, Gale, uh, Nicole's character, has oh, a bit yeah. of Oh, yeah,
0: have we not
1: said yeah, that her sorry, name that, Gale. That's what we really should have led with. She, Kidman of all, she does not read Gale to me. I know that Gale is, like, you know, in, in the bloodstream right now because of a star is born last fall and like Uh gail being the perfect name for gail but like it's just gail she is not anyway um she like has a meltdown right because she's like i want him in my bed and she's talking to her mother at that point yeah um i I want him here
0: um it's and even even the mom is like you can sleep downstairs and she's like it's not the same
1: yeah, and it's kind of just, like, her mom is trying to carry across the point that, like, this is not really what your concern should be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird that that's what she gets head up. About. I don't know, the character doesn't really make sense to me because, like, I think, for me, I think the way he treats his family is pretty not great. And she has known about this all been fine with it and basically has no opinion other than that. Like it would be nice if you guys met each other halfway, but like she puts the onus a lot on the family. Yeah. I think at one point she says
0: like you could fly back there or something, but yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, she like, she kind of nudges him a little, but like the visit ends horribly and she kind of doesn't really have much
0: of a reaction to it. Agreed. Um, should we I feel like there's untapped territory in here I'm trying to think Yeah, of- yeah, What's
1: I do too. Now? I feel like I don't want to leave anything on the table because this is probably the only podcast episode ever that will discuss this film. <laughs> yeah. um, um,
0: should we talk about the just like uh just like kind of casual 90s racism in this movie? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, who are the so
0: I'm just kind of thinking through it.
1: The hang As more character being treated as like, not just like a Chinese medicine provider but like a
0: mystical healer with magical powers. Uh, mm-hmm. And even, even just the like act of Nicole and Michael Keaton being in the waiting room were like there's a bit about him trying to read like a Chinese newspaper and he's like reading it upside down.
1: Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That's not good. Um, and then He
0: says like in the car on the way there, he like makes a joke. Like, you know, the thing about like Chinese healers, like two hours later, like you just, you,
1: you, uh, yes, yes. An MSG joke. And yeah, the thing is like, that was, that is so nineties that I, mm-hmm. it, it didn't even like, Shake me to my core because I just feel like that's the way everything was then. I watched a lot of TV as a kid, and that like completely would have been at home on like home improvement or something. Sure. Yeah, so and she just kind of is like, ha, ha ha ha, you're so bad. Like, there's kind of a little bit of a like, oh. Um yeah, I I really didn't like anything about the Ngor character, or as I say, like it obviously. Not only wasn't a successful treatment, but like, was an objective failure, which is fine, but then why are these scenes in the movie because he also doesn't, I guess maybe it pushes him closer to enlightenment, maybe, but I think that's a bit of a stretch because I think his growth is pretty disconnected from from all it of
0: brings up this weird thing, which, like, this is as good a place as need to talk about, which is, like, there's this recurring narrative that Michael Keaton, like, not only resents his past, but, like, straight up does not remember any of it.
1: Oh, yeah, because doesn't he have a vision of riding on a roller coaster? And I think part of that is that he's seated next to a young boy, and it's, like, kind of, like, bringing back the inner child from, like, a place of insane repression.
0: Yeah, well, he has that, and then, like, remember when he, sh- like, tracks down, like, a-, a childhood female friend, and he just, like, shows up at her door with a video camera on her face, and she's like, you don't remember this or or this? Yeah,
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: Uh, It's just, it's a very weird narrative, because, like, the only thing we really know about this character is that he has such a strong aversion to his past, but also seemingly can't remember any of it.
1: Well, and this is, this is what I'm saying is, like, it is really pernicious to me that the reason he is so angry about his past is not because he was mistreated, not because of any abuse, which would really make it a different movie, and not even because they like didn't see eye to eye. It's because he wanted to be a rich, like a richy-rich style rich kid. Like uh-huh. he wanted to literally have his parents organize and pay for a circus at home. And when these... By all appearances, comfortably middle-class people were like, what? He, like, freaked out. And then basically the stage was set for him to move across the country fine and
0: cut ties with them and say, I'm a new person now. Which is psychotic. It's psychotic. And as you mentioned, like, the the scenes with, uh, like, Eastern medicine seem to approach. Like, there's that weird, like animation that that seems to tell us that he's getting closer to some sort of like enlightenment or something and then it just never really amounts to anything
1: yeah absolutely it seems as though the movie is kind of set up as though there's some kind of big takeaway from the chinese medicine scenes and just like there's absolutely no payoff and no integration with the rest of the movie, which makes it feel really casually racist mm-hmm. just because it's like, it's like a magical, I think he's specifically Chinese, which hang us and gore is obviously not right. uh, like the, the kind of like the magical Negro trope um, leaving entirely aside that there also is a boundlessly understanding and helpful black woman in this movie. Right, who also does not show up until, like, almost the two-hour mark. Yeah, she's very, very, very late addition to the movie. Is helpful and nice in an extended cameo. I think she's fourth build,
0: too, and she, like, does not...
1: Yeah, because where is this in Queen Latifah? She's already an established, like, I think, like, Grammy nominee at this point. Because, like, mm-hmm. Unity had... Um... Uh, Oh, I'm looking at her Wikipedia. She starred on Living Single from 93 to 98. And her third album came out in 93, which was the album that the that Unity was on. Mm. So 93 is a really big year for her.
0: I mean, this played certainly a part in it.
1: <laughs> Can we talk about briefly um, Nicole singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow in the restaurant?
0: Yes, I would like to because she does that in another movie. Does she? Yeah, she does it. It's like a it's like a secondary plot point in Australia, but she teaches the like indigenous oh, child. Oh my god, watch. you are right. Yeah, they watch um they they have that like makeshift theater and then the song plays and then like the kid is like whistling it or something. But that yeah, was well, all I could think about.
1: Isn't it like projected on a sheet or something?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um yeah, it's funny because she kind of sings it in a very like before getting on with it she's like someday i'll wish upon a star like where the clouds are far like she kind of is like tossing it off at first Mm -hmm. it's it's a cute moment it doesn't it doesn't well it's part of the
0: it's part of the larger trope um that like her character loves show tunes and specifically south pacific although i recognize that that's not a song from south pacific yes but there's that scene where like Michael Keaton has put headphones on in the bed because she has like a, a full boombox like aimed at her
1: tongue <laughs> with, like oh. playing
0: some enchanted evening
1: oh yeah 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 um it's funny that i feel like a lot of a lot of the video i keep coming back to the term passive aggressive and i i should think of another way to describe it a lot of the subtext of him making the videos is like Look, you're gonna need like a little of my influence, like because like who knows what's gonna happen when she's in charge is very the tone of it. like very yeah. kind of like, look, uh, she's not gonna be able to help you with this. and it's not, <laughs> and it's not just a father son thing, although well, that is part of it. and that's like understandable enough. It's kind of like uh, I
0: don't really trust her to like handle any of this. Yeah, the one where he's um, telling him about music. He's like pulled over on the side of the road, and he like has to stop because, like, a, a police officer, right? Like, d- comes over. But yeah, that the whole tone of that one is like you're gonna want to listen to the Stones and like f- fuck your mother because she's gonna want to play like South Pacific. So just right, like, right. That's, and hide.
1: that's the thing is like he seems. I don't know. It's not a bad relationship, but they don't really seem to enjoy each other's company or really know each other particularly well at all.
0: Yeah. It's a a weird one. Um, I have a couple of stray notes that, please to get out one i thought it was very progressive that the doctor when he was giving the ultrasound said do you want to know the baby's sex and not the baby's gender
1: so, oh yeah wow <laughs> woke
0: doctor yeah um but then right after that they ruin it because they're playing that game where they're trying to um just like recommend dumb baby names to each other and so they're like using like greek and roman mythology but at one point uh they start using like disease names basically and michael keaton says anorexis uh, oh yeah like a joke about anorexia and then nicole says that's a girl's name which first of all boys can have eating disorders that that was
1: joke but that's like that was really fucking dark also (laughs) when they're going back and forth these are like incredibly well-read people relative to what you would expect and how they carry themselves in literally every other conversation. Cause they're going back and forth and they're like, what about the Romans? Like, what about the Greeks Agamemnon? And it's like, okay, like did not take you to for classic scholars, the level of like, you know, there is that part.
0: (laughs) There is that part that I just remembered on that note where right before he's about to die, he's like playing, um, He's playing, like, the, the suite that plays at the beginning of The Lone Ranger, like, whatever that is. Oh, the and, Lone Tell Overture, yeah. Thank you, thank you. But then, the like, the, the mother-in-law comes downstairs and is like, can you not play this super loud in the middle of the night? And Nicole's like, this is his favorite part. Like, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, music plays a huge role in this movie, and neither of them have any etiquette about it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can we talk briefly, uh, basically just stating this is an this is the last extant note on my sheet before I just gave up. Um, When his family gives her a Raiders baseball cap. That's my last (laughs) vote. And she's like grins ear to ear and is like, oh my God. Like she, I wrote, she seems delighted, but it's like an extremely outsized reaction. And like, she's, she's, this is like the best gift. I mean, maybe it's just because his family gave her something, but it's like, mm, I don't know that Gail, like, is that involved in sports given that her husband works in professional sports and they literally
0: never discuss it. Right. Also I might've been screaming because I was excited that we had the same last note, but did you mention the part where like that bit ends with there being a jock strap in that gift? Oh God, no, I don't think I noticed that. (laughs) He says like, so she pulls out the little, like it's like a baby sized, um, you know Raiders like onesie or twosie or whatever and then Michael Keaton says there's a jock and he pulls it out and it's like it's definitely not Michael Keaton size but it's also not baby
1: size right 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 I remember it now I kind of I was so caught up in the Raiders of it all that I kind of let that one slip by me um yeah (laughs) yeah the whole stuff with his family is just kind of funny because it's like his, his family gives them the gift right yeah they're like they're kind of like say in a way, but they're super loving and, like, only bring up their beef with him when he, like, provokes it. So it's, like, very, very, very hard to sympathize with, honestly, either of the central couple of this movie because it's like, look, like, just don't be a dick. Like, if you visited, at, as Gail encourages him, like, it really would not be as tense as it needs like it doesn't need to be this tense
0: no he like michael keaton like antagonizes all of them on like the night of bradley whitford's wedding to the point where bradley whitford has to say like hi this day is about me my life (laughs) right
1: right yeah absolutely and that's where the whole kind of like um concept of it's actually called scrap metal comes up because he um is being so overtly antagonistic and saying like, and he is speaking from the position of being like, not just like having a fine job, but like basically being in the
0: 1%. And yeah, like, at one point they say a character in a sauna after they played racquetball says like, you make what, like $250,000 a year? Right, 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 right. And it's just like, he's just such a dick. Like it's, <laughs> and the fact
1: that, Kidman's character, just kind of like, oh, wow, it's crazy all this is happening, does not, like, reflect well on her. I wonder who else was on the list for this role. Um, Because it's possible to me she was the first choice, but I sort of doubt it. Um, I feel like this is, like, in the, like, Meg Ryan sweet spot. Hmm, that'd be nice. Yeah, I think she's, I think, I don't wish anyone else were cast in this. I think it's kind of unsalvageable. (laughs) And I think she does her best. I don't know what I would have. The script doesn't give her a lot. And moments where she does have kind of like. An outsized reaction. Like when at first. When the first indication. Is that I think he like falls down. The first time or something. And she kind of like. Laughs a bit. And then it's like. Oh my god. Like she like. Pivots (laughs) to like. Extreme over the top panic. You're like oh, I kind
0: of liked it more when you were... Is that when they're like, they say goodnight to the kid and they're like about to leave the room and he's behind her and he falls?
1: Yeah, and she like, it, she she's kind of like, she like chuckles a bit and then it's like, like has like a horror movie reaction. And it's like, uh, I kind of actually like it better, maybe when you're acting like mildly bemused. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's I, not,
0: uh, neither option is a, a good option. Um... I don't think I have very many other stray notes other than at some point we see Michael Keaton's butt in like a weird like Antichrist dream sequence. Oh yeah, yeah, where he's like, that's
1: that's like there are moments of extreme artiness that the roller coaster that I feel like are like in the mind of Bruce Joel Rubin like extremely symbolic and like Freudian. And none of them come across at all. Like, it's impossible to suss out what he was going for.
0: Yeah, they use the, like, I think you're referring to, like, when he gets on the roller coaster and they use, like, the Chariots of Fire song, which, like, I guess was still in the zeitgeist, like, a full decade later.
1: Oh, yeah. I was like, did they have to pay for the rights for that?
0: Um, I was wondering, because they also, they play a good deal of, as we mentioned, music. Obviously, some of it is classical, but a lot of it is not. Yeah. A lot of it is not. And I, I, yeah, it's, it's,
1: they're clearly big music fans, I guess, which is like a nice redeeming quality to them. They like music and they like books, but like, I don't know. There's one moment towards the end of the movie that I really got hung up on where first of all, Michael Keaton does not really visibly get sicker like in terms of his physical appearance until basically the last 15 minutes of the movie as far as and then he becomes an actual ghost (laughs) yeah no exactly and so he's like it's the start of the decline and he's like sitting on the couch like reading the newspaper and i don't know something about that just struck me as like a really weird choice there it's like it was like a very chill domestic scene and i'm like i don't know i feel like this is like the moment where you kind of are like trying to make the most of what time you have left but
0: who am I to say I will say in that character's defense that if I was on the verge of death I'd probably just like be at home doing the crossword puzzle too but um, yeah
1: yeah it the- just it it wasn't ever explained of like there really there wasn't really a moment where they're like we're trying to keep everything as normal as we can no disruption was oh, never, yeah, yeah, There was no like discussion of that to quote like the Julianne Moore Oscar speech of like, do you want to travel? Do you want to see the world? Like <laughs> there's never that <laughs> just, do you know what I'm talking about? There's never that
0: discussion. No, there's no setup of a pattern where it's like, this is his happy place. Um, yeah. The last note that I have, and then I'm truly done talking about this is <laughs> Thank you. I do love the directorial choice of when Nicole's, um, giving birth or in the process of giving birth they have like a real close-up on her mouth and there's Michael Keaton like rubbing an ice cube on it and then they invert that when Michael Keaton's like on his deathbed she does the same thing for him and I bet that the director was just like this is cinema baby yeah th- I want
1: that that's really good and I also really want to discuss the doctor says something like like the doctor encourages him to keep shooting because he's like doesn't the doctor say something like Look man this is you're having a child like you're gonna want to get this video.
0: Uh-huh. And then the doctor also tells him like uh th- I'm sorry th- this is related this is truly the last thing. The part where <laughs> no they're girl. at the they're at the roller coaster and he's done it and Nicole can't go on obviously cuz she's pregnant but she does eat a lovely cotton candy. Um but then they're like standing there together and he's like <gasps> D-day. And she's like what as if she doesn't know and he's like death day. Today was supposed to be the day that I was supposed oh, to be dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> what?
1: Oh, yeah, because he gets like a three month prognosis and then significantly out or significantly enough outlives it. And then he's basically told, like, surprise, you have like 15 days to live.
0: Yeah, actually, we just found a brain tumor. We don't know how we missed it or how you're still here, but
1: yeah, nothing about the medical trajectory makes sense. Because, in the exactly the way you describe, she does seem to enjoy that cotton candy though. She kind of picks at it with her fingers. It's like,
0: oh. It was good. It. I mean, we've definitely yep. never seen her eat cotton candy before.
1: Yeah, nor do I think, and yeah, I don't think that happened again in a subsequent film, so okay,
0: unless she,
1: yeah, unless it's some film I haven't seen, like Fur, maybe D- Diane Arbus?
0: No. Um, I could call Zach Haltzel and ask a, yeah. a Fur super fan. Um, <laughs> okay, that's truly the last thing I had to say about that movie. Do you have any stray thoughts? Um, I think, I think I'm pretty good on this
1: movie. I think I don't know. I think it's... I'm glad she kind of has, like, had this moment of, like, being the lead of, like, a shitty issue movie because I have to imagine, mm-hmm. like, it looked good on her resume. Like, because she does make a few other big, like, Hollywood movies in this period. Like, she makes um Batman Forever two years later, and I wonder if this wasn't part of getting that like okay she's been at the center of a movie which incidentally the batman of it all that she's been michael keaton was batman in the two previous batmans but Mm -hmm. that she like had a big look like this even in sort
0: of a nothing movie yeah i i i can't see how this reads on paper as anything other than a good choice for her career uh because i think she pivots from like a dead calm and a days of thunder into like still in that kind of like Thrillery thing with like malice um which is a movie that i do actually like and then i can see this being a logical next step obviously i don't know if they shoot out a sequence or whatever but
1: yeah no i think it i think it made perfect sense as we say like the guy from ghost like it's like a it's a it seems like a sure thing yeah well we did it we discussed
0: it we did it um We're going to discuss it even further, but we're going to do it through uh, having you try to rank the movie. Um, Yes. So for the uninitiated, this is the Golden Compass scale. These are categories that are one through five, so five being the highest. Um, They could be about Nicole or they could be about, uh, I guess they should say they could be about Nicole's life or anyone's life in that film. Um, And the first one on here is going to be the wigs in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say like
1: one i don't think anyone is wearing a wig i think if it were hair in this movie that's a different question but this is definitely yeah this is definitely her as you pointed out so i would say n slash a like not applicable or one.
0: (laughs) yeah the scale the scale giveth and the scale taketh away because truly this is like a great hair movie but it just it's gonna be a one on the wig scale yeah Um... unfortunately enough You've also kind of touched on this, but how do you feel about the accents in this film? Um, I think she's not really trying.
1: um, The accents in the film as a whole? Sure. Um, his parents have Ukrainian accents. They're very, like, old country, so I'll give it
0: a three. Okay, great. Yeah, we also neglected to mention that uh, Michael Keaton's dad is the dad from my big fat greek wedding whose name is me right
1: now yes yes he is and it's funny i i went on a whole like journey on wikipedia about that when i watched the movie and there are a lot of people in my big fat greek wedding who either are not greek or play like ambiguously ambiguously european characters a lot like
0: andrea martin is the i was gonna say andrea martin is the one that comes to mind
1: andrea martin who also i believe was on My Big Fat Greek Life, the sitcom that
0: was supposed to be a really big deal and then was cancelled after three episodes. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Is Andrea Martin the one that gets to say uh, inside that lump was my twin? Yes, yes. Okay, great. (laughs) She basically
1: gets all of the overtly comic stuff that the
0: that the dad doesn't get she's like yeah a funny female character the only two things i remember from that movie are that and i remember when um john corbett's like parents show up and the mom has to keep saying like it's a bunt oh yeah i really resented that movie because
1: the lines in it that were like huh amusing at first blush like the like oh he's a vegetarian oh, so he'll eat pork or something? Whatever it was. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, he'll eat beef. Like, that got so... Because it had such a long theatrical run.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It got so beaten to death as more and more people discovered that movie. And I really, by the end of it, was like an active Nia Vardalis detractor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, even you, mean, you, don't respect, you don't respect her off-Broadway canon? Oh, my God, yeah. At,
1: at the time, like... I was like 12 and was just like, get her like out of my face. She was like nominated for an Oscar that it looked very likely she was going to win. And I was like, I had not seen talk to her, but I was really glad talk to her won that Oscar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, th- I love this episode about my big, my, uh, the Nicole
0: Kidman movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah, I can't wait to start the, the Neo Fardullis podcast. Oh, the yeah. Future, future untitled Neo project. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that for you. I'm excited for all five episodes. Um, How do you feel this movie falls on the Naomi Watts scale, which is to say, you know, was she in contention for this role? Do her and Nicole ever talk about it? Did she visit Nicole on set? That sort of thing. You get to justify your score.
1: Yeah, I actually, I thought about this question uh, while I was watching it. I actually think it places pretty high for the following reason. I think that they were probably in closest contact, if I had to kind of guess, when they were both, in their adult professional lives, were probably in closest contact when they were both kind of trying to emerge and they were like a valuable support system for each other. And Uh so I don't know, I don't think she was in America at this point, although I might be wrong about that but i think what's what there were probably a lot of phone calls of like support and boost it and boosting a mutual mutually boosting one another when uh you know kidman is filming this and naomi is doing the movies that she does before tank girl and so i would put it at a 4 because i would i would be surprised if there was a set visit but i think there
0: was a lot of kind of coaching is
1: that completely insane
0: no i was just looking because i was like i think flirting is 1991 and it is and that means it's only two years between the two of them playing like uh boarding school teenagers to nicole playing michael keaton's wife which like i is shocking she reads as much
1: younger than he does in this movie but the funny for sure she reads that way visually but they everything about the story ages her up like the wardrobe the the wardrobe the character's tastes and interests her behavior her reactions are all applicable to like if she were a 38 year old woman mm-hmm. and she
0: just it, nothing about her reads that way yeah i i agree with this for i think you also get like a guaranteed at least one or two because of the birdman connection
1: oh yeah of course yes i didn't even think of that that years later uh clearly
0: yeah the machinations of that started in 1993
1: (laughs) not even that but i'm sure it probably was like because i think i've heard and not even in any concrete way but just like it was my understanding that he was not favored to win the oscar for birdman even though that movie was such a juggernaut at the oscars uh, and then he indeed didn't, was like people talked about it as like, yeah, he's not really widely liked by those who've worked with him. So I feel like it came up eleven years later when Naomi was like, Oh god, like long day on the set, X and Y and Z. And Nick was probably like, Yeah, like we don't have to do one we didn't have to do one
0: continuous shot, but like let me tell you what my experience was like. Right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I Nicole did not. Do you think Nicole voted for Michael Keaton for Birdman?
1: Well, cons- I think
0: everything
1: about her suggests to me that she would be an Eddie Redmayne fan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't, sure, don't, sure. Don't, like, I just feel like all of his previous work, which was vastly more interesting than The Theory of Everything, um, just kind of like... I don't know. I I think that she was an Eddie Redmayne voter, although I'm running through the other nominees in my head. I do not think she voted for Keaton.
0: No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I also don't think she's seen Jupiter Ascending, but I can see her kind of like enjoying the idea of an Eddie Redmayne and voting for him.
1: That's what I mean. Like, I just think it's like, she loves kind of like emerging artists and is very supportive Mm -hmm. of them. And I think the big thing with Eddie Redmayne was like, he was surprisingly young and non-famous to win Best Actor at that time. It was in a pre-Rami Malek world. Um,
0: and thank you, for, <laughs> thank you <laughs> for
1: qualifying. And so I feel like for her as someone who just kind of is like carried away by art, no matter where it comes from, that okay, mm-hmm. like I'm now like fully inside my own head. But No,
0: this is, I mean, this is the place to do that. I
1: think she voted for... Because I don't think the argument of experience versus kind of the new kid on the block, I don't think Keaton was enough of a Hollywood legend for her to, to sway her away from her impulse. I will say, I think she probably voted for Leo because like superstars stick together. And I think she probably was like, well, like, wow, what a career, so impactful. But I think <laughs> Michael Keaton, Wow, the power of women, except for it's, yeah. wow, the power of <laughs> Leo. Yeah, I don't think Keaton is at that, that level
0: of a. Uh, accomplishment okay that's all that's
1: all for me on this one
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect okay um okay how about approachability so if you see like this gale character at the supermarket buying stuff to make those smoothies oh yeah (laughs) how likely are you to engage with her
1: to try to teach her how to use her blender um Mm -hmm. i would say hmm I would say three and it seems like it should be a five because this character is among the closest she's ever come to playing like normal woman. Like her character is wife. On the other hand, her reactions to situations can be off puttingly cold and weird. Mm -hmm. And I think, it would be very difficult to vibe with her if we spoke for more than a perfunctory 30 seconds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you would like wave at her, daddy, you know, like in the way that you try to get babies to engage with you from afar.
1: Oh, completely. Yeah, exactly. It would just kind of be like, hi. And that, so, it, you know, approachable enough, but not, you know, my new best friend by any means.
0: Cool. Uh, this next one is the Scientology scale. So a high mark on this would mean that, uh, the values of this movie are an affront to the teachings of Scientology and a low score on this would mean, um, you know, they might have a VHS copy in one of their centers. I'm going to say two. I actually,
1: both of them are under treated by the psychology, the psychological industry. I think like both of them, could use substantial therapy, and they yes. kind of instead choose to rely on mystical healing, which, while not specifically Scientologists by any means, you know, seems in line. It's all about kind of energy and woo woo. And so, do you know what I
0: mean? So, I feel like. Oh, I'm, listen, I'm right there. With yeah, you. I think it's a two. Great. Uh, The last one is just overall, overall level of iconicness as this movie pertains to Nicole's career.
1: I don't think qualitatively it's a one star out of five movie. Really, I we've been we've there's a lot to talk about. I think it's like good enough, fine. Um, But I would say iconicness of her career, I would say a one. I think. This, there's a reason you're getting to this as one of your last episodes. Right. Like, there's, <laughs> a, a, and I've had fun discussing it, but I think like it never comes up. It is not a touchstone. It is less of a touchstone even than, I don't know, movies that she made in the 90s that no one really talks about anymore, like The Peacemaker, because those mm-hmm. made money and are important signposts in her career in a way. And this just is just kind of a nothing. Like this is
0: not something is that a controversial statement no that's great i think um the peacemaker is a great example because even that like has a more a-listy counterpart than a michael keaton it made yeah. funny it has queen mimi later behind it oh completely uh,
1: yeah no one like michael keaton is a name actor sure but it's not like oh my god she worked with michael keaton whoa yeah. like it's, it's it's kind of like As I said, it's like an appropriate kind of box to check on her path to becoming the performer that she became, but it's not, it's the opposite of iconic. It's not even like, I, it's just conic. I wish, yeah, I wish we were, I, I wish in a way it were a so bad, it's good movie where it's like a howler of like, oh my God, can you believe she did that iconic, even though no one talked about it? It's like, it would need to either be way better or frankly, way worse
0: yeah, no, it, notable, lacks, it yep. lacks any sort of polarity. It's the worst yeah, thing about it. it's
1: just kind of like a, a floating, like good enough. It was not a box office bomb, but not a hit. You know, not the accent, the hair is just kind of like pure uncut Nicole that you can get from a million other performances.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um. Okay. This okay so let me just tell you up front you're not the worst you're not the lowest score here (laughs) all right um you are at a 14 out of 30 which puts you tied with um similar time period kind of far and away okay uh it puts you with oh i think there's another 14 on here oh um it puts you with classic film nine. Oh wow okay that feels appropriate
1: because nine is another specifically to the discussion of iconicness nine is another movie that for her came and went with absolutely zero impact on her career whatsoever
0: mm-hmm. it was absolutely it was
1: i think she is the last person people bring up as regards that movie because she's neither memorably good nor memorably bad
0: i agree uh the scale does not lie yeah um, wow Oh, i love science i know um, <laughs> I, I love yeah modern statistics keeping yeah yeah <laughs> um i do have one last task for you okay and it is something that i've asked all my guests to do um and now it's kind of a, a preparation or a refresher with uh season two of big little lies looming on the horizon um but what i'll do is i'll give you 60 seconds and uh if you could try to summarize season one of big little lies in that time uh i'd be eternally grateful happy to whenever you're whenever you're ready go for it and
1: you'll like start a clock and you'll say and you'll say stop when my 60 seconds have elapsed yep all right um all right ready set go so in a beach town in california uh Two women are, are friends. They are Madeline Martha McKenzie and Celeste Wright. Uh, they meet a third uh, you know, local mom, uh, played by Shailene Woodley, and bring her into their world. Shailene Woodley is hiding the secret that uh, her child, Ziggy, um, his, is of unknown parentage uh, and was the product of a rape. Celeste is hiding uh, the fact that she is an abused spouse. And uh, Madeline Martha McKenzie is hiding the fact that she feels anomie in her marriage and doesn't really care about her husband, who is her kind of rebound second husband. Uh, Ziggy uh, is accused of beating up children at school, including Amabella, the child of uh, tech executive Laura Dern. Um, and that all comes to a head uh, as simultaneously uh, Celeste is in therapy with Robin Weigert and trying to figure
0: out a way forward because she is deeply in love with her husband. Her. That was really good. Thank you. Thank you for saying what I just realized is my sleeper cell activation phrase, which is tech executive Laura.
1: <laughs> Isn't that part of it? Isn't she on the board of, like, Facebook or something? And it's, like, never yeah. it's it's like mentioned not,
0: once and not really again? It's never mentioned again, and it's also, like, I think someone else has brought this up, but, like, the mechanics of her getting from, like, coastal Monterey to, like, assumedly the silicon valley or like maybe san francisco like that is such a commute it, the reason i didn't say monterey is because honestly
1: in my head i have like retconned it such that it doesn't take place there because it honestly would make more sense if they lived in like springfield like the simpsons do you, like a made-up town <laughs> yeah, like if uh-huh. they, it was just like oh beautiful you know secretville california where it's full of secrets it that that would make a ton of sense it makes zero sense that it's monterey
0: yeah, this is not the time or the place, but I'm pretty sure the book, and please nobody be at me, I'm pretty sure the book takes place in like it definitely takes place in Australia. Yes. Um, but like maybe Eve's in a real town, maybe it isn't. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I feel like um, I left
1: a lot of stuff on the table there, but I feel like I got basically the important stuff, which is that the dual threads of the story are the mystery of Ziggy and the mystery and the mystery of what Kidman is gonna do in her marriage. If anything, I probably
0: gave too much time to the Reese storyline uh i think you're being far more critical of yourself than anyone else has <laughs> I, <laughs> in the history of that activity I, I feel i'm very competitive i feel good that i got
1: a lot of shailene woodley in there because i feel like people forget because she is no shots to her by far by far the least favorite uh the least famous of the five main cast members i think she is both the least favorite and the least favorite. <laughs> that was a, a revealing slip um she is like the protagonist of the story, more so in the novel, but the action happens because her character comes to town. Everything that happens is kind of predicated on her arrival.
0: She definitely is like the death of Ned Stark, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's just kind of funny that as regards the public position of the show, she kind of isn't really a huge part of it. I do think she was more famous when she was cast. I think what be, with what happened to the Divergent movie franchise, I think it's a little bit less thrilling to have her around now. But it, she's a big part of the show.
0: Oh, listen, you don't need to tell me. She, uh. She's
1: <laughs> more a lead, I would argue, she's more a lead of that show than is Um,
0: I can't acknowledge the content of that statement <laughs> on uh, really, just like a legal grounds, but I will respect your right to be able to say. <laughs> I'm that just saying, on like from there.
1: from an awards like if you're slotting, I'm not saying it's a better performance by any means. I'm just saying, like it's funny that she was nominated in supporting
0: at the Emmys. And reason, oh, yeah. I mean, it truly is like it truly is. This is the last I'll say about that. Is like how Bobby and Company is like the least interesting character, and like he's just a means to learn about all his like married friends. Yeah, completely.
1: I mean, yeah, she's the lead i don't know if she's the protagonist because yeah because she's just the way into the
0: story on that note yeah yeah (laughs) uh dan formalized shailene apologist (laughs) let's not go crazy um where can people find you online Uh, and not online
1: all of my writing is in print and online at variety.com uh and my inst- uh, my twitter handle is um dpd underscore for some reason um <laughs> and that's it that's me
0: wonderful uh as always you can follow the podcast um at the Kid manifesto on twitter obviously if you haven't rated and subscribed what are you even doing here listening to my life at this point um or just like you know follow me at mr sam herbst tell the other sam herbst uh that i say hi uh dan thank you so much for doing this thank you for having me it was really fun my life <laughs> your life
1: and michael uh, michael keaton's life yes happy to be here thanks so much <laughs> thank you bye, bye. <laughs> um it's just uh yeah ian is a vegetarian he doesn't
0: eat meat he don't eat no meat no He doesn't eat meat. What do you mean he don't eat no meat?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's okay.
0: That's okay. I make lamb.
1: Come. Mm. Come. Mm. Come.